1: to the Greenbrook TMS, Inc. Second quarter 2021 results conference call and webcast. All lines have been currently on mute to prevent any background noise. I would like to remind you that this conference is being recorded today and is also being webcast on the company's website at www.greenbrooktms.com. Under the Investors section, Events, after the speaker's remarks, there will be a question-and-answer session. Analysts and investors are reminded that any additional questions can be directed to the companies at InvestorRelations at GreenbrookTMS.com. This call contains forward-looking statements, which reflects the current expectations or belief of the companies based on current available information. Forward-looking statements are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties that may cause the actual results of the company to differ materially from those discussed in the forward-looking statement. Factors that could cause actual results or events to differ materially from current expectations are disclosed under the heading Risk Factors. In the company's annual information form dated March 30, 2021, and in the company's MD&A for the period ended June 30, 2021, which are available on Cedar Egger and on the company's website. Any forward-looking statement speaks only as of the date on which it is made and the company disclaims any intent or obligations to update any forward-looking statements unless required by law. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Bill Leonard, President and Chief Executive Officer of Greenbrook TMS and Ernst Loebser, Chief Financial Officer. Go
2: ahead, please. Mr. Leonard. Thank you, Adrian, and thanks to everyone for joining our conference call and webcast today. We're proud to announce our highest quarterly consolidated revenue results to date with 40% year-over-year growth over Q2 2020 and 21% over Q1 2021. This quarter, we achieved a return to entity-wide regional operating profitability, driven by a record high in treatment volume and new patient starts. Quarterly treatment volumes increased by 37% to a record high of 58,000. 219 as compared to Q2 2020 and 12% as compared to Q1 2021. New patient starts increased by 36% to a record high of 1,659 as compared to Q2 2020 and by 40% to 3,242 in year-to-date 2021 as compared to -to year-to-date 2020. From a development perspective, we added one new active TMS center during Q2 2021, with an additional seven TMS centers in development, bringing the total company network to 129 TMS centers as at June 30th, 2021. This is up from 125 in Q2 of 2020. We expect to return to our center growth strategy through the remainder of 2021, as we begin to move forward with opportunities that were previously paused or delayed by the COVID-19 pandemic. We're also particularly pleased with several other milestones for the company and the industry. We successfully rolled out our Spravato pilot program and continue to build on our long-term business plan of utilizing our network of TMS centers as a platform for the delivery of innovative treatments for MDD and other mental health disorders in a community-based setting. We are very pleased with the progress made in this strategy through the Spravato pilot and are excited to continue to develop this program. Based on these promising findings, we expect to expand our offering Spravato to additional eight TMS centers, bringing our total to 13 TMS centers now offering Spravato. We will also explore opportunities to utilize the buy and bill billing method and explore offering Spravato using mid-level practitioners such as nurse practitioners or physician's assistants. Where possible from a regulatory perspective, these mechanisms could potentially enhance the economics associated with the delivery of Spravato. At the same time, we continue to collaborate with device manufacturers to expand the range of indications for TMS. Finally, on June 14, 2021, we complete a non-broker private placement of 23 common shares at an offering price of $10 million per common share for aggregate gross proceeds of approximately $23.5 effectively strengthening our balance sheet. And now, for a more detailed review of the company's financial and operating performance, I will turn it over to our CFO, Ernst Lubscher. Thank you, Bill. Um, as Bill mentioned, quarterly revenue increased
3: by 40% to a record high of $13.7 as compared to Q2 2020 and by 21% compared to to Q1 2021. Year-to-date 2021 revenue increased by 18% to 25 million as compared to -to year-to-date 2020. This is predominantly due to record quarterly treatments performed in Q1 2021, as market conditions continue to normalize after the initial onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. We also saw increase in reimbursement rates from certain payers that we have long-standing relationships with in our more established um, regions, which can further contributed to this growth. Average, average revenue per treatment normalized at 235 in Q2 2021, which represents a 2% year-over-year increase compared to Q2 2020. Year-to-date 2021, average revenue per t- t- treatment decreased by 3% to two, 227, as compared to 238 in year-to-date uh, 2020. This was predominantly attributable to the adjustment to variable consideration. As I said, offset by favorable payer mix and higher average reimbursement in Q2 2021. Same region sales growth was 38% in Q2 2021 and 16% in year-to-date 2021. The increase was primarily due to the increased revenue as market conditions continue to normalize. Moving to regional operating income, Q2 2021 marked a return to entity-wide regional operating profitability. Our entity-wide regional operating income was 900,000 in Q2 2021, as compared to the entity-wide regional operating loss of 200,000 in Q2 2020. This was predominantly attributable to revenue growth rate of 40% in Q2 2021, which eclipsed the direct center and regional cost growth rate of 28% over the same period. The continued development of TMS centers paired with revenue growth within our existing regional cost structures enables us to leverage these costs towards increased entity-wide regional op- operating profitability as we continue to scale. Year-to-date 2021 results in an entity-wide regional operating loss of $600,000 $600, as compared to entity-wide regional operating income of $500,000 in year-to-date 2020. The entity-wide regional operating loss year to date is primarily attributable to an adjustment to variable consideration estimates due to the continued impact of COVID-19 pandemic on payer processes. This was, increased by, uh, this was paired with increased marketing spend in Q1 2021 to lessen the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on our operating metrics and increased momentum as the market conditions began to normalize. Year-over-year aggregate corporate costs increased 84% to $5.8 million for Q2 2021 as compared to Q2 2020, primarily as a result of costs associated with professional and legal fees related to the equity financings. On a normalized basis, year-over-year corporate costs increased by 61%. This is predominantly driven by costs associated with listing of our common shares on the NASDAQ, including compliance, regulatory, insurance and audit related professional fees and also the normalization of spend relative to the curtailed COVID-19 related spend in the comparative Q2 2020. The loss for the period and comprehensive loss decreased by 31% to 6.7 million during Q2 2021. This was predominantly due to a record quarterly revenue achieved in Q2 2021 offset by professional and legal fees related to the NASDAQ listing and equity financing in Q2 2020. Also to consider, we recognize the earn-out consideration in connection with the Achieve TMS acquisition that did not re- occur in Q2 2021. As a reminder, we were more than happy to that the Achieve centers performed so well as we expect to enjoy the benefit from their performance in, in the future. From a balance sheet perspective, the accounts receivable balance remained stable as of June 30, 2021, we had approximately 19 million in cash on hand. Moving on to our core operating metrics. As of the end of Q2 2021, the the active TMS centers increased by 8% to 122 from 113 a year ago. Total centers grew by 3% year year, year over year. As Bill mentioned, we expect an acceleration in development through 2021 as we begin to move forward with opportunities that were previously paused or delayed by the COVID-19 pandemic. Compared to Q2 2020, the number of consultations performed increased by 70% to 3,533. The number of TMS treatments performed increased by 37% to a record of 58,219. And the new patient sites increased by 36% to a record 1,659. Compared to Q1 2021, the number of consultations performed remained relatively flat, as we focused on more specific targeting to generate a higher quality lead. The number of TMS treatment performed increased 12%, and new patients increased by 5%. All leading indicators remain strong, which will promote future growth, despite now moving into the typical slower summer season. Back to you, Bill.
2: Thanks, Aaron. As I mentioned, we produced our highest quarterly consolidated revenue results to date, driven by record quarterly treatment volumes and patient starts. We achieved a return to entity-wide regional operating profitability, and we experienced a record quarterly high in new patient starts, all of which speaks to our sound business fundamentals and we believe positions us well for future growth. We're also very pleased with the results of the Spravato pilot and look forward to expanding that program. Mental health remains a key focus in the US with recent examples of professional athletes speaking out on mental health issues. This shows that mental health awareness continues to grow, shifting away from the stigma surrounding mental health issues. According to the CDC, after the onset of COVID-19 pandemic, approximately 40% of the US adults reported struggling with mental health or substance abuse, making access to TMS therapy and other mental health treatment modalities more essential than ever. We believe these factors will continue to drive market growth. Our business is positioned stronger than ever to take advantage of new TMS indications, new treatment modalities, and new expansion opportunities, both through organic TMS center growth and M&A. We have now treated over 19,000 patients with over 675,000 treatments performed, a significant positive impact on the lives of so many patients suffering from mental health disorders. We look forward to keeping you updated on the progress of the company throughout 2021. Thank you for your time today, and with that, operator, we'll now take questions.
1: As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question via the phone, please press star 1. That is star 1 for questions. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster.
3: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
1: The first question comes from the line of David Newman with Desjarnins Capital.
5: morning, gentlemen. David, David. how are you? Good, very good. Uh, How are you keeping? Great, thank you. Excellent. So you're initially sort of targeting 140 centers by mid-year, and you're at 129. Yeah. And I know COVID, COVID was a bit of an impairment on on getting at it, um, and now you've sort of sorted out the balance sheet with the with the private placement. So maybe you can just talk talk to us a little bit about uh, you know what your organic and inorganic plans are. And I know there's a couple of areas you really kind of are looking at California, Northeast U.S. and And how you densify the footprint and and leverage what you've got so maybe you can talk about now that you've kind of got all that behind you well it's not COVID's not behind us yet but you know what what your plans are sort of the back half which you sound very excited about
2: uh very much so thanks for that question um yeah we're not quite at 140 centers yet mainly due to a timing issue however um we uh we were a little bit more conservative due to COVID but we remain extremely bullish on our pipeline and expect to be in the range of 150 centers by the end of the year. Okay.
5: And what about those jurisdictions, those other jurisdictions that you're looking at, Bill, in terms of uh, maybe inorganic growth like California and and northeast U.S.? How's the pipeline on M&A kind of thing?
2: A strong pipeline, it continues to be a strong pipeline, uh, as we talked about before. When you look at our business model in terms of expansion, it really is going to come from a couple of key areas. One is MA and a opportunities. Um, we do target uh, locations that have uh, multiple centers in play, both regional players and more of a corporate provider that's somewhere between 15 to 25. Uh, however, uh, as part of our growth strategy, we still have only 50% of our centers or so uh, of two years or age, we need to add density to in those locations, locations like Michigan, Florida, and obviously take advantage of a great platform out in California. So I think you'll see a combination of growth uh, through a couple of various pipelines.
5: Got it. And uh, you looked at your sort of Oxford funds that you had there that kind of help you out, kind of get to the next uh, sort of an acquisition. You had 15 million in delayed draw term loans. I know you have three tranches of 5 million. And um, you can access access it right now, according to the release. But what what does it take to sort of get to the first tranche that get, get them to help you out with sort of inorganic growth?
3: So um, there's a few a few requirements um, relating to that. Um, the main one being um, EBITDA targets, um, And as we've always said, we we aim to be kind of EBITDA profitable um, by kind of the mid year, mid next year um and, and that's kind of is a is a prerequisite in terms of ac- accessing that, that additional funds so we, we don't we don't um anticipate access them accessing them um over the near term but it would would certainly be um helpful kind of in in kind of the twelve to eighteen months um away period excellent
5: that's very helpful and then if you look at sort of um you know kind of moving uh, past COVID here and the number of, uh, obviously, people reporting mental health issues, et cetera. And, um, but the depressive disorders have seemed to have declined a little bit as we kind of emerged from, from COVID and vaccines and arms and things, things like that. Um, but as they move past first line treatments, I think, Bill, you sort of alluded to that the pipeline still looks very, very strong. And maybe just, you know, a reduction of stigma that's associated with mental health. I mean, as you look at the pipeline, how does it look? You talked about younger demographics and things like that. How does the pipeline look um, as you look into the back half this year and into 2022?
2: I'm still significantly big. I mean, again, we've always talked about in the past, there's already an underserved population that just grew uh, based on the pandemic the stigma is no longer really out there anymore. I mean, if you just recently watched the Olympics, you saw Simone Biles uh, talk about it, and you saw Michael Phelps support her in his conversations. So more than ever, you have more people talking about it. Um, I think we are are still working through COVID. But at the same time, um, you know, when we looked at our numbers for TMS therapy, there was at 1.6 million patients that were probably eligible for TMS therapy. uh, And and that that was before the, the pandemic. So I think right now there you, have, you have people that are still suffering from depression, but they're also, for the first time in two years, uh, enjoying taking a family vacation, having the grandkids visit the grandparents, and they're taking advantage of that uh, at this particular moment. So I think uh, the pipeline still remains extremely strong, and obviously mental health continues to be underserved and an all-time high.
5: Excellent. Thanks, Chance. I'll handle the line, but uh, good traction here.
1: Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Noel Atkinson with Cloris Securities.
6: Hi, good morning, Bill and Ernst. Uh, well done in the quarter, and thanks for taking our questions. Um, first off, so just a couple of sort of clarifications here. So, in terms of the the new sort of outlook for a range of 150 centers by the end of 2021, is that active plus development centers?
2: That is active and development.
6: And, uh, so Ernst, and you mentioned in your, your comments on the previous question, uh, are you still targeting sort of mid-2022 for positive adjusted EBITDA on a quarterly basis?
3: Uh, correct, uh, more, uh, uh, we, we still guide towards that.
6: Okay, great. Uh, okay, so um, can you give me an, uh, us a number of clinics that are currently open and active?
3: 100, 122 is currently active. What seven that remains in development?
6: Okay, so it, okay, it hasn't changed since this, June
3: 30th. Um, oh, oh, so okay, so, so, so that's at June 30th. So um, there's, there's I believe there's one more that's um, become active since. Okay, cool. Um, the the
6: 235 per treatment average rate was a a really strong improvement quarter over quarter you're you're back to sort of pre-COVID normalized levels do you see any more potential improvement in the pipeline in the near term
3: i think there's there's two two factors that really contributed to that um as you saw we still took um adjustments for variable consideration um that obviously declined as a percentage of of kind of the, the call it gross revenue um so that's one factor that contributed to that and then um, as, as we mentioned, we've, we've made significant investments in our billing and reimbursement team, and they've done a great job at um, getting higher reimbursement from some established payers. So um, that is kind of kind of, um, priced into to the 235. Um, I think we will stabilize at that level um, with, with potential upside um, as we, as we um, kind of continue negotiations with, with payers and, and, and trying to get better rates. Okay, but, but for a but for, for moment, um, it, should, it should stabilize as it as, as was, as was pre-COVID.
6: Okay, perfect. Um, and then there was quite a significant quarter-over-quarter slowdown in local marketing expense in Q2. Was that sort of a one-time event, or is that a decent run rate?
3: So I think that's a decent uh, run rate. I think you'd see uh, we had kind of I'd call it abnormal spend both in Q4 last year and in Q1. Um, that was really a product of, of maintaining lead flow and, and some additional market um, marketing relating to COVID. And then in Q1, we really wanted to take advantage of normalization of the market and, and the momentum. So we spent a little bit more. Um, we, we've normalized that so, so um, to, to kind of a more expected rate on a quarterly basis.
6: Okay, great. I'll get back in the queue. Uh, thanks very much.
1: Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star 1. The next question comes from the line of David Martin with Bloom Burton.
4: Yeah. Hi, guys. Um, wanted to go back to uh, the question about the 235 per treatment. I, I know you said that there's still some uh, adjustment down the variable consideration um, Because of delays, Uh, some of it linked to COVID, some of it linked to the new way you're billing, which ultimately will prove to be positive. But I also thought you were going to be collecting some of the aged um, uh, receivables from Q4, some of the uh, payments that you didn't receive that you'd be collecting into this year. So I'm trying to figure out in Q2, was the positive effect more than the negative effect? And ultimately, you know, without... These other factors weighing in, where would your revenue per treatment have been this quarter? So, I
3: mean, um, the, if you if you look at the year-to-date rates, I mean, that's that's probably where it would have been without the without the 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 um, um, kind of positive uptick. Um, the the adjustment for variable consideration, as we as you mentioned, we continue to collect on age receivables, and that percentage. As a, as a percentage of, of gross revenue, continued to ratchet down, um, which which stabilised reimbursement rates. But um, a, a lot of a lot of that in uptick in in Q2 also had to do with positive traction as we ha- as, it, as, it rela- as it relates to payers and 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 um, which will be a go-forward benefit. So yes, in terms of there remains remains upside as, as it relates to collections on older the AR. Um, but uh, a lot of that had the, the, the low percentage uh, provision in, in Q2 already reflected some of that.
6: So
4: for the second half of the year, should we be modeling 235 per treatment or uh, a bit lower, a bit higher?
3: I mean, I think, I think as I mentioned to Noel, I, um, at the moment the expectation is stable um, with, with potential upside if we, as you mentioned, continue to collect on age receivables.
4: Okay, Okay. thank you.
1: The next question comes from the line of Tanya Gonsalves with Conocor Genuity.
0: Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, so first off, on the... Salaries and wages, lines, your G&A. Then it seems like there was a pretty material uptick there, quarter over quarter. Just wondering if this is the new salary run rate, or if there was some kind of bonus or anything in there that I'm not um, accounting for.
3: Um. So, so important to note, and in terms of the the comparative quarter, was obviously um, the the growth rate. The comparative quarter is not really comparing apples to apples. We uh, were in the midst of covid nineteen with with a cur- curtailment in in spend and and less headcount um on all fronts so so that's one thing to consider um as it relates to kind of the normalized rate um we we've invested fairly heavily in kind of the billing reimbursement um um function um which which as obviously as you said yielded results so a good return on investment there um there there may be some efficiencies going forward. Um, there. There also may be some efficiencies as it relates to the integration of the achieve, achieve um, 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 PMS integration. Um, but obviously, we also become a, became, became a dual listed company, and, and that comes with a, a significant additional investment in people, um, including HR, compliance, and as I mentioned, the revenue cycle. So um, I think this this run rate is 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 kind of what we can expect. Um, but definitely stability as it relates to not growing at the same rate going forward.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Um, And you mentioned the expectation that you will turn EBITDA positive around mid-next year. Any idea when we can start uh, when we'll start seeing free cash flow turn positive?
3: So, I mean, um, that that's kind of a, a product for our working capital cycle, but you typically will see that follow follow kind of two quarters um, or so after. Okay.
0: Perfect. Um, and then last question for me, the conversion rate, so consults to application starts is pretty healthy this quarter. I know historically you guys have been able to do over 50% conversion, and it's been kind of a little bit lower because a lot of the consults are happening online without shifting back to um, – in-person uh, meetings, in-person consults. Do you think that conversion rate has the potential to go back about fifty percent? And if so, when, when do you think that could happen?
2: Yeah, I, I do think that has the ability to go back up, Tanya. But I also think we're seeing a patient uh, that is a little bit more unique in a sense that we're getting phone calls for uh, kind of general psych because a lot of the offices are still not open and still dealing with with uh, with COVID situations. So some of the patients that are coming into the pipeline are really not candidates for TMS therapy yet, but we do still want to see those patients so that we can put them in a pipeline, assuming they don't get better with first-line treatment. So I do think there's upside potential uh, as that uh, patient begins to kind of continue to go through their, uh, what I would say, eventual failed med cycles. That's all from you. Thank you
0: so much, gentlemen. The next question
1: comes from the line of Justin Keywood with full GMP.
7: Hi, right, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I just had a question on uh, Hey, I had a follow-up question on the operating leverage uh, to the business. Uh we saw some of that take place in the current quarter on the higher sales and the uh, EBITDA loss was narrower than what we were expecting and and just on the comment of achieving a positive adjusted EBITDA uh, mid next year, are you able to give any parameters around uh you know how many senders uh, that would entail or, or target
3: revenue range, at which point we could see that positive EBITDA? So, I mean, um, we haven't given guidance on on revenue. We obviously um, expect to continue our revenue growth trajectory. As you mentioned, um, how do we get to positive adjusted EBITDA? There's operating leverage both in kind of our regional cost infrastructure, so you'll see an increase in, in regional operating income um, and then a stabilization of, of corporate and g So that's really what's going to drive uh, the, the, um, uh, the positive EBITDA, um, and we, continue, we expect to continue kind of our current growth trajectory.
7: Okay, if I can ask a, a different way, at 150
3: centers, uh, would the business be able to achieve positive adjusted EBITDA? Um, yes, I mean, the answer always is we can, at 150 centers, if all we wanted to do is just run 150 centers, we can certainly run the business uh, profitably um, in terms of uh, we will, we, we, as Bill mentioned, we'll be in kind of that 150 range. We expect it to be in that 150 range by, by year end, um, but we, we don't, um, we are not going to, we've got more operating leverage than that, but so the plan is not to to stop at 150, um, but obviously continue to grow grow our business significantly and there's obviously costs associated with that so if you uh to, to answer your question directly yes we can run the business at 150 centers what you will see in terms of um uh, the evolution of the model is we will we will continue to to have um, a little bit of operating leverage um on the regional basis as we as we add centers and we we wait for those centers to scale to profitability okay, does that answer your question. does that answer your question justin Yes,
7: uh, very helpful. And then I had a question on the uh, Spravato pilot, the expansion from uh, eight centers uh, to 13, and it's based on some uh, promising findings. I'm wondering if you could just provide some additional context on what the KPIs that you were looking at, you know, to warrant the additional expansion and and what KPIs uh, will be monitored uh, for the additional clinics to perhaps you know, expand, you know, even in a more material way across the entire network?
2: Yeah, great great question, Jeff. Um, You know, really, as we talked about, the focus now is expanding the offering and moving from a pilot to the beginning of a rollout to various centers within regions to cover that patient care needed. What we were hoping to validate, really, in the pilot was kind of reimbursable product, capturing a wider range of patients, the network response in terms of, uh, you know, continuing to send patients, and obviously center utilization. Um, The revenue per treatment is slightly higher with Spravato, utilizing uh, the administer and observe method, Um, but obviously with changes to our model, potentially in terms of regulatory standpoint, we really feel we can move to a more favorable position as well. So everything we saw in the pilot, uh, we were thrilled with. We had an opportunity to uh, attract patients uh, to contain more revenue in that particular patient from prior non-responding TMS patient. We were able to capture someone further along down the uh, depression line. So uh, we, we like what we saw with Spravato and we'll continue to kind of ramp up the offering.
7: Thank you. Are you able to disclose uh, the number of patients uh, that you have served
2: uh, with Bravado so far? We, we didn't disclose that. It was enough for us to get our pilot results. And from our standpoint, keep in mind that when we launched our pilot, we still haven't turned on the faucet either. We have not sent out our kind of Uh, educators into the field to call on doctors to discuss the offering for Greenbrook for both TMS or Spravato. We have not done any direct consumer approach with uh, Spravato yet, so really a significant upside in terms of uh, uh, Spravato gaining more traction within our model, not only with kind of getting the word out, but also more uh, center openings. And when do you turn on that faucet? (laughs) <laughs> um, you no, know, it's, a, it's a couple things. One is the fact we're really working towards uh, a, a greater good in this and the fact uh, from a regulatory standpoint, um, really trying to get to the next level in terms of that higher reimbursable opportunity. Um, for me, it's like really getting our business, business in position with Spravato for 2022 to kind of start to make a, an impact in our uh, patient care.
7: Understood, and thank you for taking my questions.
2: Thanks, Jeff.
1: We have a follow-up question from David Martin with Bloom
4: Burton.
2: Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking the follow-up. Um,
4: as far as Spravato, uh, you mentioned you could change the model to enhance the economics. Right now, is the profitability of administering uh, Spravato similar in line with TMS or higher or lower?
3: So, um, as, as Bo said, kind of the reimbursement is a little bit higher if you look at it from a uh, global treatment per patient perspective. Um, the contribution is very, the economics are very similar to TMS. Um, what it obviously does for us from enhancing the economics of a center is the, the um, Spravato patient is um, less sensitive to the timing of which they come in. As we've previously said, um, TMS patients like that morning session, the mid, um, lunchtime session, and, and late in the day. Um, because they typically are working patients and they drive themselves to and from the center, uh, what's provided does it enables us to kind of um, utilize that additional capacity in, in the lower demand times um, and adding contribution and and it, with that effectively enhancing the economics of the center.
4: Okay. Um, I, the other question is the forecasting of uh, adjustable uh, adjusted EBITDA break even positive mid mid next year. Um, if you accelerated your growth plans um, uh, to a higher number of centers than you plan right now, would that delay it, or do you have a big enough base right now you could buffer and like you, you'll get to this uh, break-even point mid-next year regardless?
3: Um, that, that really, is, like I mentioned to Justin, uh, that really depends on the, the, the velocity of expansion obviously as you add organically new centers those take time to ramp to profitability so that will kind of erode your your regional operating margin so if we really turn on the on the, on the pedal and develop organically uh, that will will uh, delay the adjusted EBITDA break even point um kind of at our at our um, as I mentioned at our current planned velocity um, break even is mid 2022 okay okay
4: thank you
1: We have a follow-up question from David Newman with Des Jardins Capital.
5: Uh, hi, guys. Just a quick follow-up. Um, I think the question has been framed a few times just on the break-even of it, up, but I'm looking in mid-2022. But if you look out, you've got this relationship now, our partnership with Cybin on psychedelics, and obviously a lot of promise there. And then if you look at the Spravato as well, and kind of smoothing out, I'll call it your day part, it's almost like a restaurant um, and trying to keeping the, the leveraging or your, your operating leverage there uh, in terms of uh, your cost structure, et cetera. I mean, what are you guys thinking in terms of turning these centers into sort of a, a holistic mental health uh, centers where you're, you're, you have Spravato, you've got perhaps psychedelics, um, you've got TMS therapy, what is your sort of targeted kind of spravado, Is it still 30 centers for next year, mid-next year? What are you doing with the SIPIN uh, partnership, and where do you want to take this such that it sort of drives that EBITDA? Uh,
2: great question, David. Obviously, from our standpoint, as we talked about before, we never got into this business to be only TMS. We think there's some great opportunities for unique delivery uh, kind of Platform and our unique delivery platform to offer um, kind of both TMS, bravado, and psychedelics when ready. We're excited for the collaboration with Simon. It's probably a little bit too early to talk about how that's going to impact our bottom line. But what we are working towards as a company is when someone is suffering from depression, OCD, who has failed drug treatment, we want them to think about Greenbrook as the place to go. We have great doctors, great staff who can deliver a great patient experience. We've always wanted to be that place that offers all this. So that is what we're working towards. What we're working towards is the fact that, as I said before, we don't need Spermato or sybin or psychedelics at, at every single office because the patient does not have to come on a daily basis, but we'll continue to build towards those 30, 40, and we don't want to put a number on it yet, but centers of excellence who can house that and really create that special patient experience.
5: Okay. And that's great. And is there any other things that we're not thinking of that you could kind of bring into your service offering, uh, other alternative treatments? Like, have, have we have you covered it off, or is there something else out there that we should be thinking about?
2: Oh, I know. I think we're always open to other potential opportunities in the marketplace, such as Alzheimer's uh, kind of treatments. Uh, but right now we continue that we have a great chief marketing officer continues to, and, and chief medical officer continue to look at those Opportunities for us. What we do think we do really well is again that patient experience at the center level. Great doctors, great staff. We think we can add different product lines into it. Um, do I think we'll vary from mental health now? No, but I think the pipeline continues to grow with mental health and not only just from uh, newer treatments but also the indications from the current manufacturers that are in development that will expand on uh, kind of again TMS. Um, we can do this without uh, adding additional kind of significant costs to our model. Our staffs capable? And so uh, we're, we're thrilled with our position to be that unique delivery platform in a community-based offering to kind of have that person think about Greenbrook to help them in these difficult challenges.
5: Perfect. Thanks, Bill.
2: Your final question comes from the line of Noel
1: Atkinson with Cloris Securities.
6: Thanks for the follow-up. Uh, I just want to confirm. Um, so, for a patient visit for Spravato delivery without the buy-in bill, you, you, Green Book would hopefully be receiving over two hundred and thirty-five dollars.
3: That's that's correct in terms of its a combination of codes, but per, for that treatment, essentially the treatment with the physician and the two to, to our observation period.
6: Okay. Uh, would you? Okay. Perfect. Um, and then, uh, secondly. What do you think your, your TMS capacity utilization is right now across the overall clinic portfolio?
3: So I'm um, looking at that. We, we, we generally operate um, at about a 70% capacity and as, as we grow because we, we generally, in newer region, especially, add new centers when we get to that capacity. Um, with COVID and some, some um, scalability in the centers, we're probably just below that as, 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 on a global basis. But uh, we generally target about 70. Realistically, we can be at a 70% utilization as an overall company, with um, mature um, TMS centers operating at about an 80% capacity utilization, as there are uh, inherent inefficiencies in terms of scheduling, as I as I mentioned earlier.
2: Okay. Yeah. I think, no. From my perspective, uh, you know, we're, we're we're still dealing with a market that is still being impacted by COVID. Um we're, we're announcing record quarters that continue to show our ability to perform in a tough environment. I can't wait to see what we're capable of when normalcy returns, so in terms of utilization.
6: Okay, great. And then just finally from me, so on, on OCD, uh, if you talked about this earlier, I apologize, but, um, you know, there's been pretty pretty good initial reimbursement activity from Brains Away for OCD. Uh, what are you seeing for, for treatment volume or in patient interest level, that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, I think there is definitely patient interest. We are starting to see uh, the reimbursement pipeline um, definitely support the providers in terms of providing care for that OCD patient. It's, uh, I still think there's possible enhancements to that policy and the reimbursements, but I think it's a uh, great start for Brainsway in terms of starting to get that coverage. Uh, coverage is limited right now in terms of the number of payers covering it. But I do think it's a great first step, and I expect uh, most of the payers to follow. So, uh, again, another uh, platform that can get added to our center in terms of indication that's reimbursable uh, that we will benefit from without any additional kind of uh, uh, staffing needs.
6: Great. Okay. That's it for me. Thanks.
2: I will now
1: turn the call back over for closing
2: remarks. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming out today and uh, hearing the update on Greenbrook. I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their their summer. Um, Stay safe and look forward to talking to you again uh, in the fall. This concludes
1: today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Save big on Brunch for Mom,
7: all in the Kroger app.